Welcome in. It's the Stripe Show podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Once again, thank you for making us part of your day. And you're like, well, where's he at this week? Last week, he's at the Coraline Resort uh, playing the floating green, staying at that amazing property. And now this week, check out the backdrop here. That's the world's longest gondola, Silver Mountain. This is Kellogg, Idaho. This is the town that I actually grew up in, about a driver three wood five iron away just across the i-90 here silver mountain kelly idaho sits uh right in the middle of uh, spokane washington quarterland idaho area in missoula montana right where northern idaho gets really narrow uh is where silver mountain is great ski hill um, but in the summertime all kinds of activities here uh including mountain biking this place is packed right now the trails are packed on top of that mountain up there about a 16 minute uh, i play the golf course later on today Kalina ridge great golf course uh, that sits um, right on the mountain here and uh, we're sharing some pictures and shots from there um, this afternoon but we got some golf to talk about the, the workday charity open of course the first of two events at Mirfield village uh, Colin Morikawa, I, I don't think to anybody's surprise, wins for the second time on the PGA Tour, uh, defeating Justin Thomas in a, in a crazy playoff. I mean, how about that finish? Uh, a a big-time finish there uh, with JT. Uh, Morikawa just uh, ball-striked his way to his second win and got that putter working. If you follow me, you know I've been kind of on Morikawa about the putter. He got it working. When he has good putting leaks, he's going to be there. Uh, contending to win and help us break it all down. We bring in the man from the Action Network and a contributor on Sirius XM PGA Tour Raider, Jason Sobel. Thanks for joining the man here this morning. What's going on, Travis? Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you're, have you ever been on the world's longest gondola before? I can't say that I have. <laughs> well, the next time I come up here to North Idaho, you're going to have to come with me. We're going to do well, some you, mountain biking. We'll play some golf because I'm sure. Because okay. I'm sure 80 degrees with no humidity beats the heck out of 95 with humidity in Orlando. Oh, Orlando is brutal this time of year. And I've been playing a lot of golf, but man, is it just so hot. Your hand's slipping off the clubs. You said earlier you're, what, a, a driver three-wood iron from I-90 or so. I That's for you. For me, it might be like uh, driver three-wood, three-wood hybrid or something like that. But I, I'd get there eventually. Yeah. Well, it's not far away, but the, there's some, uh, you know, the, the, the ball carries um, longer up here, right? Because you're in the mountains, and I've played a couple times, and it is, it's not like Colorado, but it's it's definitely a full club longer here, which is nice. I mean, it's nice to be like, you know what, I think this is a seven hour, and then it, you know, goes over the green, you're mad, but you're like, damn, I carried that another 12 yards. So this mountain air has its benefits more than one way, and um, I want to talk golf with you, man. I know... Uh, um, you're a great follow there on Twitter, and you follow this game closely. You also do a lot of fantasy golf, which I want to get to as we look ahead uh, to Memorial here later on uh, in the show. But, you know, let me let me just ask you this out of the gate here. You know, give me, when you watch Colin Morikawa, right, and, and you're watching this young man, 22 years of age, go about his craft in the professional game, I mean, just what comes to your mind? Does he remind you of anybody in, 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 in before, guys that have come before him? What comes to your mind when you when you think of Colin Morikawa? 
You know, first of all, um, this is the most mature, well-spoken 23-year-old kid that I've ever met. I've had a chance to speak with him on numerous occasions over the past year. And for as mature as his golf game is, I'm telling you, off the golf course, he is just um, going to be a tremendous asset to the PGA Tour, to the game itself over the next 15, 20 years and beyond because he, he really is that thoughtful and that genuine a kid. So um, I, I think that's a great thing for him, great thing for the game. As for his game, when he first came out onto the PGA Tour last year, and of course he came out there with uh, with Victor Hovland and Matthew Wolf, and everyone's trying to kind of look for comparisons and, and look to uh, sort of slot them in a place. What can they be? What's their floor? What's their ceiling? And I thought Colin Morikawa, the comp for him was Matt Kuchar, which is, uh, I thought, in my mind, a tremendous compliment. Matt Kuchar is a guy who's been around for a very long time. He's a very good ball striker. He's as consistent as they come out on the PGA Tour. I think what we've learned, though, in the last year is that Matt Kuchar is basically the floor for Colin Morikawa, and the ceiling is going to be much higher. And, and again, that's... That's nothing against Kuchar, who's had a great career, but I think what we're seeing from Colin Morikawa at such a young age right now is that this kid is going to be really good for a really long time. I hate, you know, 12 hours after a guy wins to sit here and say, well, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's going to win eight times, eight majors. I, I think he's going to do this. It's, it's really easy to get caught up in the recency bias of what just happened and say, hey, uh, you know, this guy's all everything and he's going to be, you know, one of the best players ever in a Hall of Famer. That said, I, I think if we look at his ceiling, he's a guy that over the next 15 to 20 years, like I said, you know, over the course of the prime years of his career, I, I see 15 wins and, you know, one or two majors, which I, I think some people look at that and say, oh, that's that's too low. Look at him. He just won. He's got two wins already. He just beat a really good field. He won at Muirfield Village. It's trust me that that's that number. I don't think is low. I just don't think people are uh, the top golfers are winning in the 30s, 40s, and 50s as far as number of titles like they did years ago. I, I think that 15 in today's age, today's era, is going to wind up being a Hall of Fame career at some point. And I I, I think that Colin Morikawa is at least on the right track for that. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. It's really easy to get caught up, like you said, guy wins. You're like, man, this guy's gonna win a bunch of, you know, it's, you can always say that, right? But, you know, there is something special about him both on and off the golf course. I think he's shown a lot of resilience um, really through this stretch. I mean, of course, you know, he misses that short putt to lose the Daniel Berger there down in Dallas. And, you know, and then he kind of, the last two weeks coming into this, he struggled. I mean, he's going to beat you with his ball striking um, normally, right? But, you know, since he's been on tour, He's only had four tournaments where he's lost strokes to the field from a ball striking standpoint. And two of those weeks were the two weeks coming into this, right? So he misses the short putt, loses in the playoff. And then he comes out, misses, he goes 64th at RBC, misses the cut at the Travelers, and doesn't anywhere close to have his A game in ball striking. So he takes the week off, um, doesn't play at Rocket Mortgage, kind of regroups comes back and here he is getting back to his old tricks third strokes gain t of green um and has a good putting week strokes game putting he's 13. so you know to me you look at the tour it's a ball striking distance era and he's got you know he's not the longest 
but my goodness, strokes and approach, and this guy's going to wear you out with his irons. I heard Billy Crouchard last time on Golf Channel say he's the best iron player that he's seen since Tiger Woods. That's pretty heady stuff. I mean, hmm. you can strike your golf ball like that. You're going to be there. You're going to have your good putting weeks as he did this week, as he did down in Dallas. He seems to be um, a little bit more neat. He seems to be a little bit more polished with the putter on bent grass. I think there's some maturity there on the putting surfaces as he gets comfortable with um, with the courses. Um, but I think he's shown some resilience here, really, uh, in the last few weeks, considering um, you know he really didn't play well coming into this event uh, at Muirfield. I think what we've seen from Morikawa is this is what he's going to be for um, for much of his career, which is a tremendous ball striker. There are going to be weeks and uh, there are going to be specific instances where that putter lets him down. We saw it at Colonial where yeah. he missed a three-footer, four-footer, and knocked him out of the playoff. But there are also going to be instances where, like this past week, he's rolling it pretty well and he feels comfortable and confident on the greens. And in those weeks, watch out because the ball striking is not going anywhere. That ball striking is going to be um, a- as good as there is. I-, I mean, for someone like Billy to say that he's the best iron player, best ball striker since Tiger, I- I'm trying to find a way that I can contest that and and prove it wrong, and I, I really can't. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think Rory McIlroy might have something to say about that. I think, you know, a guy like Justin Thomas might have something to say. I think too often, because guys are so good at one aspect of the game, we tend to forget that they're very good at other aspects of the game, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, Tiger, Tiger always got lost a little bit in the ball striking conversation because he was far and away the best ball striker. So we almost like kind of jumped past him and went to the other guys back when he was in his prime. Um, and, and we yeah. still do, do to, uh, tend to do the same thing. But um, yeah, like I said, Morikow is uh, as good a ball striker as we will find right now. And it comes down to that putter. And when he's, when he's confident and when he's rolling it well, he's going to give himself a chance to win. And when he's not, we're going to see what we saw over the last few weeks before this one, which was, a missed cut and another result that, that just wasn't that great when he's, uh, uh, when he's not on his game on the greens. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show. Yeah, it, it's, it's man, I'm excited to watch his career. I like to, you know, in the playoff, you know, with Justin you know, they weren't real chummy chummy, right? I mean, they kind of like, you could see, like, they were kind of in their own little, you know, silo. Sure. And, you know, there was, you know, sometimes you get nose and they're fist pumping, and that's cool fun too. But, you know, I thought there was a little tension there. Like, you could see, like, they were like, I'm coming at you, man, you know? And JT drops the bomb. I mean, that was incredible. <laughs> and then more call on top of him. JT had his chances. I mean, I mean, goodness gracious, you give JT a three career. I like too, in the, you know, in the playoff, you know, with Justin, you know, they weren't real chummy chummy, right? I mean, they kind of like, you could see like they were kind of in their own little, you know, silo. 
Sure. And, you know, there was, you know, sometimes you get those and they're fist pumping and that's cool fun too. But, you know, I thought there was a little tension there. Like you could see, like, they were like, I'm coming at you, man. You know, and JT drops the bomb. I mean, that was incredible. And then more call on top of him. JT had his chances. I mean, I mean, goodness gracious, you give JT a three shot lead with three to play. He bogeys two of the last three. I and mean, that's just, that's just not going to happen very often. So Morikawa, I, I think the door opened. He took advantage of it. Um, I, I think the biggest bogey of the entire week, goodness gracious, an, uh, an incredible field and finish. And we can't watch it live, Jason. I mean, it just seems like it just, you know, I understand the, the TV contracts, right? And I'm not going to, get into all of that that's above my pay grade the the details of how that all lays out but when you when you just peel the onion back right and you just look at it on the surface and the perception of it to the fan it just feels like a major swing and a miss that you're the only game in town and the pga tour is doing some incredible things right now being out there leading the way of this pandemic to bring live action to us but man, what a swing and a miss, wasn't it? To to be having to jump on to try to stream it to watch the ending of such an incredible tournament. What what was you know two of the best young players in the game going head to head? So a few things here because I did hear and see a lot of people complaining yesterday, and rightfully so. You want to lay back on the couch and watch on TV. You don't want to necessarily turn on your phone or your laptop and have to watch on there. That said. Uh, first of all, this is nothing new. I mean, this has been going on for literally decades where uh, they move up tee times on a Saturday or Sunday, and at least now we have a way of watching. I mean, I have no inside information. I have no secret password. Uh, literally after the Golf Channel coverage was over on Sunday morning, I clicked on CBSSports.com. I clicked the video player, and all of a sudden I had live coverage. So uh, it wasn't that hard to do. I could understand wanting it more on your TV and if you don't have a smart TV where you can go on a browser and watch it that way, then you're, you're kind of out of luck a little bit. That said, at least there's an option these days. I mean, we're not that yeah. far removed from there being no option where you know they're playing golf and you know that uh, there's going to be a really good ending and you cannot watch it anywhere because it, it's taped late until later. So it, at least there is that option now. Um, we're going to see, and like it or not, first of all, uh, the fans are not the top of the priority order for this right now. Um, that's the reason why the contract is written the way it is, because CBS wants to pay the bills, and CBS will pay the same bills from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time, whether they're showing live golf or tape-delayed golf, and it's it's all the same to them. They can't lose uh, that early revenue that they're getting it. So that's the first part. Secondly, we are going to see many, many, many more hours of live coverage streaming online for golf tournaments over the next years and beyond, then we will see televised live golf. And so if you're going to sit here on a Sunday afternoon and say, man, I don't want to go on my computer and watch. This is terrible. I can't. I want to watch on TV. That's fine. And you can grumble. You can complain. But I'm telling you right now, get used to it because this is the way of the world and this is how the PGA Tour is going to show off itself over the next few years. And they do it already. If you want to start watching live coverage, start watching live coverage on PGA Tour Live at 6.45 a.m. on Thursday and Friday mornings, and it continues throughout the entire day, which uh, obviously eclipses anything they're doing on Golf Channel or uh, any other channel. So, um, so it's available. It's out there. 
Yes, you have to work a little harder as a fan. No, it's not the optimal experience, but it is there. So uh, the the amount of yeah. people yesterday that were on social media, online, complaining about how they couldn't go online and watch the golf was, I, I thought, a little ironic, considering that you, if you're online, if you're on Twitter, you can literally – uh, press another button and go right to what you want to watch. And instead, you're going to sit there and complain about what you aren't watching. Yeah, but I want it on my. I want it. I want it on CBS, right? I want it. I don't want to have to push it. I, I get it. I yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. it. It is where it's going, and 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 we're getting spoiled, right? At the end of the day, with the PJ Tour live coverage now, which is great. I mean, to see the best players. You, know, you remember Jason? Like, you know, I think the beef like 10, 15 years ago, before even PJ Tour live, was like the best players in the world didn't even play in the same group that often, right? And now, at least with this PJ Tour Live coverage, you 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 get to see these guys playing more together, which is which is cool. So, I don't know, it just felt like a bit of a miss. You're the only game in town. And, you know, it's unfortunate they had to move it up. I don't even know if the weather did move in after the fact, but um, due to something like that, that, you know, you can't just – slam dunk it and put it over the top and have that product live on tv for the betterment of the game but you know you can't have you can't have it all i guess and um you know someone that uh, is having a hard time getting it all right now as well as uh is brooks kepka who you know missed the cut at the work day a little surprising there mm-hmm. um and as he usually does you know these days he had something to say about Bryce. right these guys have been kind of going back and forth a little bit uh, via social media, but, you know, kind of hinting to the fact of steroids, right, to Bryson. Did you look at that and say, ah, he's just kidding around, or, or is there there's some truth to that, that, uh, you know, perhaps Brooks is a little taken back right now that Bryson's put the stake in the ground, that he's the alpha on the PGA Tour? That was some world-class trolling and subtweeting by Brooks right there because uh, and he did it in probably a smart way if he wants to do something like that because if the PGA Tour wants to come and try to find him or slap his wrist he's like I, I, I never mentioned Bryson's name why why would you think that's about Bryson it was just I, I watch he's bounding down it's a good show and I put a gif on there and that that's all so uh, he can kind of talk his way around what he did that said I, maybe I'm naive Travis uh, I just can't believe that anybody in professional sports and certainly in golf would risk their entire career, their entire reputation, their entire image by taking any sort of steroids or PEDs right now. Because if you're doing that, even if it's just a couple of people in your small circle, at some point, those people won't be in your circle anymore. At some point, all the news comes out. And whether we're talking about Bryson or talking about anybody else, I, I just, Again, maybe I'm naive to this, but boy, I, anything you've done from the time you were six years old and started hitting balls on the range with your dad to playing top-level amateur and junior golf and playing in college, becoming a professional, winning golf tournaments, all of that is going to be erased the minute that news surfaces publicly. And, and I just I, I can't imagine that anyone basically would be dumb enough to take steroids or any sort of PEDs in today's era and risk all of that getting out there. So uh, I guess that's yeah. that's my way of saying, and I, I've spoken with a few tour players about it, and the guys that I've spoken with who you know, thought Brooks's 
tweet was kind of funny, just rile up Bryce a little bit, but uh, they also thought there was nothing to this PED allegation and that he's just eating a lot of food, drinking a lot of protein shakes, and working out all the time, and that's how he's gotten bigger. You think you think Brooks is getting too caught up in the media? I mean, he's going to tell you that, you know, this stuff doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not even paying attention to it, but, I mean, he seems to be the first to kind of push back on, you know, some things. I mean, obviously he had his, his bout with Brandle. He, um, mm-hmm. he, he went back after Paige McKenzie after, you know, she thought he should be fine for that. Um, this little biff now with Bryson. I mean, he's kind of caught up now in a few different things. He's going to tell you that he doesn't care, but he seems to be the leader in trying to kind of respond to anything and everything that, that might be, said about him is it is it time for him to hate Bryce Brooks like he's one of the best players in the world just let, like let this stuff go just get back to playing golf again maybe I mean I always think that we probably from the outside make too much of a big deal about things like that it's not as if Brooks is on social media 17 hours a day and it's cutting into his practice time and it's cutting into his preparation time he's probably checking it here and there posts something looks at a few of the responses and goes about his day. I just can't imagine that it's affecting him inside the ropes. Now, there have been some other players. Uh, Billy Horschel last week said that he was going to let his agent run his Twitter account. Max Homa hinted at the same thing. He's terrific on Twitter, which would be a shame if uh, he gets off of it for a little while. But uh, sometimes players just, hey, I need to clear my head. I need to be away from that stuff. I just can't imagine, though, that uh, there's any sort of direct correlation between time spent on social media, things you're talking about on social media, and scores and performance and results. I I just don't know that we can read that much into it. Yeah, sure, maybe if there's a guy who, uh, look, he's spending more time doing trick shot videos and trying to go viral on Instagram and things like that than actually working on his game. Okay, I think that could probably eat into what he's doing. But for a guy like Brooks, who quite honestly doesn't tweet that much, doesn't send much on Instagram, I, I don't think it's taking away time from his preparation or anything else. I just don't think it's that big of a deal as far as how it affects his performance. Yeah, that's interesting. He's kind of the leader, though, in, like, you know, pushing back, which is fine. I mean, I think it's great that he has an opinion and he's voicing it and this and that. It just feels like, you know, some of the – it's kind of adding up now and there's a lot of little things, you know, the pushback to Paige McKenzie. I just – I don't know. It just kind of feels like it's – it, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit overdone, just in my opinion. But I like the, I like the clash. I think it's cool to see, you know, I think Brooks and Bryson kind of going back and forth a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And who's the alpha dog out there? Now here comes DJ. He's back. I think it's cool. I think golf needs more of this. I, I like the personalities um, coming out a bit, and you know, people get sidetracked. It's easy with social media, um, as you know to get too consumed on what's happening uh, in the Twitter world, um, all the things that are available to a player. You know, one of the guys that kind of, and I want to ask you about Justin Rose, you know, I think it's fair to say Justin has made some decisions that haven't been the best um, for his game over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy that was the number one player in the world and then change the quick like you know to me on the surface that doesn't make any sense right I, you just you're the number one player in the world and now you just changed your bats <laughs> right now i get it there's financial implications sure but, but how much money 
how much more money does Justin need, right? At the end of the day, Justin is on as many commercials now as Ricky Fowler. I mean, you, you, I mean, he is up there now with Ricky Fowler as far as commercials when you're watching telecasts. And there's no shortage of commercials when we're watching golf telecasts. Um, he goes back to TaylorMade, which was a smart move, it appears. But now he switches from Sean Foley. I mean, now he's, you know, he's no longer with Sean. He's had a couple good weeks here, you know, out of COVID. But, man, he looked awful at Lemora. And I know you have bad weeks. But it just, you know, Justin Rose is such a great guy, you know. And he, he seems like the type of guy that likes normalcy, that likes consistency, that likes the process and kind of doing the same things over and over again and keeping your eye on the day-to-day grind. I don't know. Like, to me, I look at Justin now, all these commercials, uh, the change in equipment, no longer Sean Flynn, just it just doesn't match the, the Justin that I've met a couple times, had dinner with at a, an event at API. I mean, he's one of the greatest people out there on the PGA tour. And then I look at these decisions. I'm like, man, it just doesn't like, everything just doesn't match up. I mean, what are your thoughts on Justin Rose and what we've seen and all of these changes over the last two years? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. He's a very consistent sort. He's not a guy that uh, makes these, uh, great changes, and, and especially he's he's more of a mechanical player, which I think he would admit than a field player. He's a guy that works very hard on the range. Back when he was still at Nona and back when he was still working with Sean Foley, I used to see them on the range, the back of the range every so often, and they are just uh, sweating and working, and you know it, it's pretty serious business. It, it is not just, hey, let's mess around and have some laughs and hit some balls. This is uh, really working on things that um, because he wants his numbers dialed in. He's a guy that it, it's less about, hey, well, I've got this shot and, you know, I can hit a few different clubs here and depending on what the wind it is, it, it is I want to dial this in. If I have 159 to flag, I'm hitting this club and I'm hitting it like this and this is what should happen if I do everything right. So for him to, uh, to change club manufacturers, for him to now uh, – leave his longtime swing coach, Sean Foley, um, it, it feels like he's searching for something. And yeah. perhaps at this state, uh, sort of at least in the back nine of his career, I, I wouldn't call Justin Rose old, and I wouldn't say he's you know not capable of obviously winning again and, and things like that. But he is in the back nine stage of his career. What is he? Oh, he was 18, he's about 40. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe in the north, north side of 40 right now, he is... You know, it, at some point you say, look, I I know myself, I know my game. I, I need to kind of let everything else go and just kind of figure out what works best for me. And, and I think he's still in that process of trying to figure out what's going to be best for him. I think a great example is Lee Westwood. For years, we saw Lee Westwood. And I mean, I, he just looked like he had a pained expression on his face all the time. He just looked like he was he was searching for something. He was trying to find something. Nothing was quite right. I saw him at the Honda where he contended this year. And I told him, I said, Lee, you've never looked this relaxed and happy on a golf course. He said, I've I've never been this happy. He said, I I realized that I'm late in my career. Everything is gravy. I'm just going to go out there and uh, I'm not going to play a golf tournament unless I want to be there. And for those tournaments I play that I want to be there, I'm just going to go out there and have fun and play well. And I think that at some point, most guys, I think, tend to get there kind of at that later stage in his career. And I think Rose is maybe on that journey to to kind of getting to that place where he's just going to say, look, this makes me happy. I'm happy doing it. And so 
Um, that's how I'm going to go about my game. And I think when he gets there, he'll start playing better golf. But again, hasn't been playing terrible golf. I mean, just didn't play well this past week yeah. at New York Village, but it has not been bad for Justin Rose for uh, a while. He had a couple of uh, title contentions since the restart. And um, quite honestly, if he goes out there and contends at Muirfield Village this week, I don't think anyone will be that surprised by it. No, I mean, he's he's a world-class player. I mean, he, you know, guys like Justin Rose, Justin Thomas, they're going to bounce back. I mean, Justin Thomas is going to bounce back quickly from, you know, he, he should have won that tournament, in my opinion, but he'll bounce back. Justin Rose, one bad week's not going to – is not going to rock his boat too much. It was weird to see him struggle to the level that he did. And he has over this period, you know, when he switched his irons and those types of things. I mean, he, you know, Justin Rhodes became fairly insignificant for there for a while when he was just the number one player in the world. Like if you say that to someone and you just take the financial implications out of it, if you put a hundred people in front of you and you say, here's what happened. You're just like, that doesn't make any sense to me, you know? And as someone who, is intelligent as Justin Rose is. It just feels like some of the decisions that he's made has went a little bit against who he is. And I, and I agree, he probably is searching um, for something and maybe he is at peace with just doing it on his own. But I think shooting 77, 78 will get old quickly if that's what it's going to yield. But I, I, I look for him to bounce back as we move to the Memorial. Um, you know, I mean, for me, Jason, this has always been one of my favorite tournaments. I, I am not arguing or complaining to watch Memorial on TV for two straight weeks. What a beautiful golf course! Yeah, um, that is. And and uh, you know, Tiger's back, five-time champ of uh, Memorial. You got the top five in the world um, that'll be playing. Rory, it'd be interesting to hear Rory's thoughts about the golf course and how it fits his game. I think he probably has a little bit of a mixed emotions about it. He's had some ups and downs here. He's had some good ball striking weeks. He's had bad ball striking weeks. He's had really good putting weeks and he's had really bad putting weeks. I don't think it's probably his favorite course, but you know, he's going to be prime after what he's been seeing over um, the last few weeks with Bryson um, with, with Dustin Johnson, um, with Brooks now, I think his attention is is peak, even though this is not a major. He's now committed um, to play. Can't leave the defending champion, went crazy low on Sunday. He's ready to go. Mm -hmm. JT, you know, is going to be pissed and ready to go. So, you know, the guys are around. Everything's kind of bubbling up here, right? And this is um, – if I got to watch this finish um, on – on the CBS Sports app, and I can't watch it live. I'm gonna be really pissed off, but I'm gonna bring you back on Monday again. You and everybody because, else, <laughs> because I think we're gonna be in for a really, really good tournament. Um, considering how good the fields have been, this one, this one's special here at the Memorial coming up in Ohio. Uh, what's your, um, what's your initial thoughts? I know you, I know you, you do some fantasy golf, and you really dig in and crunch in. Give me a name that we're thinking about, and then give me a name that maybe we're not thinking about this week. Okay. Well, tough for me to know who you're thinking about and who you're not. But I, I think that um, at the top of my list is a guy who tends to play his best golf in, in the biggest events. When everybody shows up, that's when he kind of feels like, all right, you know, let me kind of buck up and, and, and really get ready. And I, I'm surprised, and I, I looked this over three different times because – I thought it had to be wrong, but Xander Shoffley hasn't won a PGA Tour event in 18 months now, going back to the first week of last year at Kapalua. That's 
too long for a player of his caliber. He's now slid just outside the top 10 in the world, but coming off a 14th place finish on this golf course last week, I, I like that he didn't contend and yet wasn't so far from contending. I mean, it's, you know, it, it was kind of one of these like, hey, momentum builder steps in the right direction. So really like Xander Shoffley going into this week and a couple of guys who I wouldn't call them long shots by any means, but uh, players that were expecting to win soon. Tony Finau is sitting on that one win. That, that odometer has been stuck on one for way too long now. He's too good to only have one PGA Tour victory. I think he gets number two at some point. And then another guy who's been stuck on zero, but again keeps coming close and keeps playing really strong golf is Abraham Answer. And I, I think that this is a really good golf course for Abraham Answer. Might be a little bit long for him, but he's such a good uh, second shot player that I think Answer's got a nice chance of having a good week this week. Yeah, you know, Muirfield seems to, you know, strokes and approaches, he's got such a huge stat anywhere, but this is a second shot golf course for sure. Iron play, second shot answer certainly fits that that bill. And then also I think, you know, short game, the, the scrambling around these greens, uh, bunker play is also another big stat um, for this course. And, man, Finau, you know, I tweeted out, and we were talking about Fino on the podcast last week. I said, there's one guy that right now could wake up and decide to lengthen out his swing and hit it further than Bryson. And that's Fino. He's the only guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. If he wanted to, he could lengthen it out and bust it past him. Now, he'll probably get a little more erratic, but he's probably the only guy that can go 350 beyond on average at this point with, I would say, relatively easy, you know, um, just by lengthening out this swing. I don't know how he lost the waste manager Phoenix Open. I still scratch my head on that one. Um, but uh, I like the answer pick. I think he's um he's gonna win, man. He's like he's like more common. He's too good, right? With his irons. Yeah, really? And really. I just love watching that kid play. I mean he just he's got a confidence about him, the way he walks up and down those fairways. I think he's terrific. We have another full weekend of golf ahead of us, and even though the trophy is reserved for the winner, the big cash prizes don't have to be. To add to the excitement, DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action with a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit. It's easy to play. Just pick six golfers, stand under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off Thursday. Then sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. Rack up the points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. Even though you may not be able to hit the course, DraftKings is giving you the opportunity to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code TRAVIS during the signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at a $1 million top prize. That's code TRAVIS and you get a free shot at a $1 million top prize only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I'll give you some head-to-heads here that I've got coming up on um, the matchup that I do with All right, DraftKings. Let's do, it. let's do it. So the first one, let, we got to go head-to-head. I mean, let's JT Morikawa. They're going. They're, they're both in the field again. Morikawa got the best of them last week. Head-to-head, who does better at uh, Memorial? You know, Travis, I always think that JT is maybe one of the best mad golfers in the world. And what I mean by that is when he's pissed off, when he's got a little chip on his shoulder and maybe not even against anybody else, maybe just an internal chip that he is, you know, 
just manned himself as he is right now for blowing a three-shot lead with three to play, that some guys tend to get mad, get flustered, and sort of falter. Their, their game falls apart a little bit. I think JT gets mad and gets better. And so I like JT in that matchup because I think he's going to come out steaming mad this week. Yeah, one of the things that I, I, I was really impressed with JT, I mean, he's always going to get you an iron game. He's going to he's going to gobble up strokes um, from an iron perspective. His putting's gotten better. I think his short game's gotten better. But he had a lot of fairways. I mean, he kind of the driver off the tee hurt him a little bit on Sunday. But, you know, he was 17th in driving accuracy, which I think is a big number for JT. He can spray it a little bit off of the tee. Um and I've always thought that's the one club that is kind of holding him back to being probably the number one player in the world. And I agree. I think I, I like Justin Thomas over Colin Myron Power. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Tiger versus Rory. Who? who uh, Tiger can have some rust, or what do you think? Okay, so I've got Tiger's week scripted out already. I think that he okay. starts off. Sure. I, I I often say this about Tiger at majors, but he he always starts off on Thursday, kind of. Throwing jabs, not haymakers. So, you know, let's kind of see what the course has. Let's, you know, we're not going to win it on Thursday. Let's just not lose it. And, you know, post best 71 maybe on Thursday. Yeah, just we kind of look at it and say, okay, you know, wasn't terrible. Wasn't the greatest he's ever played, but, you know, certainly was fine. And then, okay, maybe on Friday he plays a little bit better, you know, gets a little bit more aggressive out there. Sometimes it helps him. Sometimes it's hurt, it hurts him. Should say a 69 or 70. Then, third, then Saturday, third round. Starts going low. I mean, we're, we're talking it could be, you know, one of those like a 65 that easily could have been a 61. I, I mean, we're talking like, wow, that's Tiger right there. Gets himself into contention, moves up 25, 30 spots on the leaderboard. We say, okay, he's got an outside chance. I mean, if he does that again on Sunday, he's going to win this thing. And then Sunday, some of the putts don't drop. And he doesn't play terrible, but it's just, you know, it doesn't quite go as well for him trying to chase that low number. Shoots about 69, 70 again. Finishes in a share of about ninth place, which is exactly what he was a year ago. And we come away from the week more optimistic than pessimistic about Tiger and the future and, and how he might play in the upcoming majors. But I've kind of got that scripted out for how Tiger is going to play. So I guess the the question here is whether I think Rory will top that T9 finish of Tiger this week, and um, I, I'm not quite sure what to think of Rory right now. I mean, the the backdoor finishes, which I, I always have a problem with that term, Travis. The the backdoor, it's like, do you not want a guy to play well on Sunday? I, you know, it, he's in 19th place. He finishes in fourth. That's a bad thing. I, isn't that a good thing to to move up on Sunday and play your best golf? So I will take Rory with a backdoor, even though I hate that term, finish to beat Tiger on Sunday, but it's going to be very close. Yeah. You know, Tiger, or Rory was just, people forget, he was rolling, man, pre-COVID, you know? I mean, yeah. he was playing some great golf. I, have, I think his, here's some finishes here. He was, he went fifth, 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 third, first, third, first. I mean, I want to talk about playing some great golf. And he missed the cut at Mirfield last year. And then he was eighth in 2018, and then fourth in 2016. I, I don't think Mirafield's his favorite course, um, but Rory's so good. I mean, he can just kind of coast around and finish T20. You know, like he's just—he's so good. I, I like the T9 prediction for Tiger. That's about exactly about where I had it um, coming into this week. I got to tell you, I don't know if I've ever seen Tiger that comfortable with a driver in his hand at the TaylorMade driving release. Now, I know 
that he was playing his home course and he's very comfortable with those lines. But my goodness, I mean, have you, I mean, he was just taking his driver and like hitting it and grabbing the tee before it even hit his apex. I mean, it was just like, if Tiger's can't hit his driver like that, then look out, right? Because he's still the best iron player in the world. I, you know, I'm going to put him ahead of Morikawa. He's a much better putter than Morikawa. Um, he's, mm-hmm. you know, historically. So if Tiger's going to hit his driver like that, I mean, forget it. Like he is, he's Tiger Woods, man. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's going to get in the hunt. I, I still think he has that effect on players, you know, when he's going to be there in the final group or second to last group. I think he'll play close to the best, so I don't see him winning. Um, but I, I'm going to give Tiger if, if a slight all, edge over Rory. If we could all hit the driver the way we do in exhibition rounds, in yes, competitive sir. rounds, we'd all be much better tournament golfers. But I'll just throw that out there. That's true. And, and on your home course, by the way, too. Yes, um, that too. Okay, here you go. Tough one. Well, kind of. Justin Rose versus Jordan Spieth. That is a tough one. Um, I just, <laughs> I, I can't. There are very few guys I would take against Jordan Spieth right now. Um, or take Jordan Spieth against right now. I just, I I I can't back Spieth right now. Long term, I'm still bullish. If Jordan Spieth was a stock, I'm buying low on Jordan Spieth right now. But it's not a stock that I expect yeah. to uh, pay dividends this weekend. It's a stock that I'm going to hold on to for a few years and hope that it gradually uh, starts returning to it, its all-time high. So um, I will take Justin Rose in that matchup over Spieth this week. But if you want to give me a matchup of Rose or Spieth over the next – Three years, Roser Speeth over the next five years. I'm taking Speeth. Really, interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a, a question we should start today on Twitter. Like, who whose stock are you taking over the next five years, Rose or Speeth? That's a like you know. I mean, Rose Rose his games in better shape right now. I think. Um, my guess, my guess is that Twitter Twitter takes Rose because Twitter can't see anything past what happened two days ago. So Twitter, there are people on Twitter who don't remember that just Jordan Spieth has three major championships already. That don't don't remember kind of what's happened in the past. That all they remember is oh, that guy hasn't been that good lately. So I'm I'm fading. It's you know it, that's the way this stuff happens. But I'm looking at Justin Rose's. Uh, how, I'm trying to look up. Justin Rose's birth date, as we speak, he's got to be north of 40, right? He's okay. He turns 40 in two weeks. So I was close there. He turns 40 in two weeks. So if we're done in the next three years between 40 and 43 for him, whereas Spieth is, I believe, 27. So gets him 27 to 30. I, I think I'll take Spieth in those prime years. Yeah, Spieth is, I tell you what, that guy can, can take a round that looks like 77 and turn it into 72 like anybody I've ever seen. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, he, yeah. What was it? Thursday, I think he hit. He hit six. I think he hit uh, six fairways, ten green. I mean, all over the place. And and you know, strokes he putting. He lost strokes to the field shot. He like, huh? Like, how in the world did he just do that? Um, that I mean, he can get the ball in the hole. And if he can just get this thing packaged together again, he's gonna be there. He knows how to get in the hole. He, he's not afraid. He's three-time major champion. I get. Yeah, I'm still. I'm still in on speed. He's showing signs. But my goodness, he is stressful. I mean, he is like stressful to watch. I can't even imagine carrying that bag or putting in those shoes right now in the in the roller coaster that is Jordan Spieth on the golf course. All right, last one. I know you're busy, man. 
Okay. Jason did. Good week. I mean, it kind of surprised me. I didn't have him. I didn't, you know, second shot golf course. Yeah. He struggled a little bit sometimes with his irons. Yep. Um, he seems to be kind of trending a little bit right now. Jason Day versus Sergio Garcia. Jason Day was my big fade last week, and that obviously didn't work out. Um, he had never in 11 previous appearances at Muirfield Village, where he's a member, where he gets to sleep in his own yeah. bed, yeah. he'd only had one top 25 finishes and 11 starts there. So uh, there's really no history, even though he spent more time there than most other players. Um, I, I think some people are going to fall in love with Jason Day a little bit this week and are going to start to like him. I kind of like Sergio this week, and I am not usually a Sergio guy. He's too volatile for me, especially in matchup-type situations where – um, it, it's one or the other. I usually want a consistent guy who at least I can count on, but I kind of like Sergio this week. The ball striking is back. I mean, uh, very much like Morikawa on another level, if Sergio can roll in some putts, then he could be a force to be reckoned with this week. So I'm going to take Sergio over Jason Day. Yeah, I am too. I'm, I'm big on Sergio this week. Um, you know, he's, he seems to be – we talked about that – Lee Westwood story, right? Kind of peace of mind, clarity. Sergio seems to be falling into that a little bit. Um, but, you know, Sergio looks like he could he could go off at any moment if, if the situation was right. But, you know, I go back to, you know, ball striking, um, stroke and approach, and scrambling. You know, Sergio checks both those boxes for me. Um, I, I think this is a good course from I was looking – I don't think Sergio has played here in quite some time either. I mean, I think you got to go back 10 years or, or thereabouts the last time he played the Memorial. So, yeah, I was a little surprised by Jason Day. He wasn't on my radar um, last week, had a good iron, had, you know, hit the ball well, um, scrambled well. And, um, but I, I'm going to give Sergio the slight edge this week. It's going to be fun, my man. Um, Memorial, Jack's place. Some more milkshakes. How good are those? I know you've probably had one. Oh, they're so good. The Buckeye milkshake, I mean, it's thick. It's like, you know, you, you can barely get it through the straw. I mean, you almost have to just tip the cup and start drinking it or uh, get a spoon and eat like ice cream. But, man, those things are so good. I'm, I was wondering, Travis, is someone going to try to try to switch Bryson DeChambeau's protein shakes with some of those Buckeye milkshakes there? <laughs> I think Bryson will probably fit a couple of those milkshakes in there um at some point it's gonna be interesting to see how bryson plays mirrorfield you know like the length on this golf course i mean length is advantage anywhere it, it can be you know it can be countered a little bit on certain courses as we know but i mean at the end of the day i mean if you're long and you can find it like and it's in the fairway you, you have some advantage I, i'm curious to see how bryson plays mirrorfield I'm curious to see how Brooks bounces back after missing the cut. They have to put those two in the same group, don't they? I mean, they have to be in the same group on Thursday. How about with Tiger? I mean, we'll find out soon that they would be in the featured groups uh, on Thursday. Hello, Brooks, oh. Bryson, and Tiger together. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, my goodness. It'd be phenomenal. I can't wait, man. It's going uh, to be a lot of fun. I know you're a busy man. I know you got to get your picks out there. Um, with the Action Network, also contributed for Sirius XM Radio. I always appreciate your work, and um, thanks for uh, jumping on the Stripe Show podcast with me here, Jason. I appreciate it. Anytime, Travis. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me.